0: Welcome, everyone. This is Brian McCall, the editor in chief of Catholic Family News, bringing you a special edition of our, our video programming. I'm really thrilled today and honored to be talking with a longtime Catholic Family News contributor, uh, brilliant super lawyer, and all-around great traditional Catholic, Christopher Ferrara, joining us from uh, Richmond, Virginia.
1: Well, thanks for the encomia. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I, I do what I
1: can. I do what I can. <laughs>
0: Well, and, and we're happy. Chris is joining us today to talk about some important legal work he's been doing during the recent pandemic or scandemic, whatever you want to call it, uh, to defend the rights of the church uh, to worship to worship God uh, against the virulent attacks of the uh, atheistic, secular, Democrat governors uh, who are trying to shut the church down. So, so, Chris, why don't we start telling us you in the past year have uh, – Uh, joined the Thomas More Society as kind of the the organization under which you do your your important Catholic legal work. Tell us a little bit about who they are.
1: Yeah, they're a uh, national public interest law firm focusing on uh, life, family, and uh, freedom of speech for religion. And uh, they're doing terrific work. They're headquartered in Chicago. They've grown enormously over the past few years and I handled a case in Philadelphia, an injunction case against a pro-lifer. They tried to get him into a bubble zone, keeping him from protesting. The, the judge denied the injunction, and the Thomas More attorney, who was litigating that with me, liked what I did in the courtroom enough to say that you should consider joining us. We had talked about it a few years ago, but this year we formalized a kind of merger of my organization, American Catholic Lawyers Association, with the Thomas More Society, and the merger has been Completed. We are now the Eastern Regional Headquarters of the Thomas More Society. I'm proud to be part of their roster of very, very talented attorneys, some of the best in the country. And I'm just uh, uh, thrilled and honored that they would think I'm worthy to join their their team. It's been great.
0: Well, if anybody has seen Chris in the courtroom, what he means by what I do in the courtroom means no one will ever get away with not telling the truth or being inconsistent because he will pounce on that detail and uh, and uh, expose. Uh, the lies and falsehoods. So I'm not surprised they were impressed.
1: Uh, well, a cross exam is fun.
0: <laughs> so uh, recently, and again, we know you've done a lot of important uh, legal work in the pro-life for pro-life uh, advocates and defending them, but, but recently you've been doing a lot of, as I said, work uh, suing Uh, states and governors that have have gone against uh, churches and gone against and and shut them down, right? Uh, So tell us a little about the cases you've been involved in to defend the God-given right to worship God uh, that has been under attack from Democratic governors.
1: Well, there's a challenge to the COVID lockdown in New Jersey. There's a challenge to the COVID-19 lockdown in New York, and there's a pending one we're about to launch in California, in all three states, we see the same pattern. The virus is being used as a pretext to suspend constitutional rights with a particular venomous emphasis on shutting down indoor religious congregations. And the rationale for this is increasingly ridiculous. In New Jersey, for example, uh, deaths, hospitalizations, positive test results, uh, even the number of test results, which they're now calling cases, that a minute, uh, have plummeted to statistical zero. You're talking about maybe eight people in the in state of nine million passing away from COVID-related complications, as they now describe them. They're basically scraping the bottom of the barrel to look for anything they can attribute to the virus to justify the continuing state of emergency, uh, in Governor Murphy's case. Yeah, and I mean,
0: as of, I think you said, it's the only epidemic in history I'm aware of where we count people who are not
1: sick as being right. part of the epidemic. it has been a stealthy substitution <laughs> of the pandemic with a (laughs) case-demic and if you if you look at the media reports uh it's all about cases 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 skyrocketing cases surging cases all over the country millions of cases which is typical for any viral illness if you look at the flu statistics as i have done you'll see that in a typical year something like 3 to 11 percent of the population is infected by the flu so that's upwards of 30 million people and the statistics show that on average, half of them are asymptomatic. So you're talking about 15 million cases, roughly, every year of asymptomatic influenza. And no one who's asymptomatic ever says, I had a case of the flu. <laughs> so now they've they have they've run out of bodies. Thank God the virus is not proving lethal to anyone. But that doesn't stop them. Now it's a case-demic. So they keep moving the goalposts. First, it was, well, flatten the curve so the hospitals aren't hit by a surge that they can't accommodate. Well, the curve was flattened. Then they say, well, we have to contain the virus so it doesn't spread anymore. Well, that's been done. Now the viral infection rate is below one, something like 0.85 in New Jersey, meaning a person with the virus infects nobody, less than one person. So that's down to statistical zero. So now they've moved the goalpost again. Now it's contact tracing. Well, you know, we have to basically keep track of all these cases so we can contact trace. What for? If you have millions of asymptomatic cases, how can you even begin to contact trace? It's, it's ludicrous. So what contact tracing boils down to is an unlucky few get caught in the web of the contact tracers who, contrast, uh, who contact trace the stuffing out of them, harassment by phone calls, text messages, so they can tell them who they had contact with, who was also asymptomatic, and they trace that contact to another asymptomatic person, proving what? proving nothing except that they have a reason to keep this whole scam and that's what it is going. So right now in New Jersey, we've just filed a reply brief. We're seeking a temporary injunction or preliminary, temporary restraining order or preliminary injunction. We've repeated the application for the second time. We're waiting for a decision. And if we don't get the decision, we'll just assume that it's been denied and go to the Third Circuit on appeal. A major development in New Jersey is this, I should say, they've reopened the schools under ridiculous restrictions. But the fact that they've reopened the schools, which involve rooms of people sitting together all day long, deprives the them of any basis for arguing that indoor religious congregations are a terrible threat and a viral vector. That's gone now because the schools were reopened.
0: So just to make sure I understand you, you're saying in New Jersey, notwithstanding everything you just said about whatever cases, however you want to measure it going down, notwithstanding the schools being open, Notwithstanding abortion clinics being open, I'm sure, uh, church people in New Jersey still can't go to church.
1: In many, well, areas. they can go, but there's a 25 percent indoor capacity limitation. Right, which means so, if you
0: have a congregation of yeah, uh, you know, thousands of people or hundreds of people, very few can go in, and the others are left out in the cold.
1: Right. So, so in my in my case, we have a, a synagogue and a, and a Pius 10 society priest. Mm-hmm. Synagogue has a capacity of 30 people. 25 percent of 30 is seven people. <laughs> But the governor, very clever, the governor knows that the Jewish worship requires a minion of at least 10 men, so that uh, if you limit the seven at this synagogue, they can't even have a service. So he generously allows that even though the capacity is 25%, it can never be less than 10 people. Oh, thank you. So, thank you. Wow. So obviously, this is designed to allow at least the minion to go into this particular synagogue wow. so that they can't say they have totally illegalized uh, services. Uh, But that's a joke, because then you have the minion, no one else can be there. So if you're having a bar mitzvah, you can't go to your own mitzvah, you can't go to your own uh, wedding ceremony, and so on. So that's a joke. And uh, with the schools being reopened, there's really no basis for any capacity limitation on indoor worship. Indoor worship is is functionally identical to a schoolroom. In fact, it's less of a so-called threat of spreading the virus because you're only there for an hour and then you leave.
0: You're not there all day, right? You're
1: there all day long in classrooms, walking around, interacting with each other. So uh, we're ready to take an appeal to the Third Circuit. The basic argument is, look, this is ridiculous. Emergencies are not forever. They end when the deaths and the hospitalizations end. You can't have a case-demic. There's no such thing in epidemiological uh, practice if people have cases and they're asymptomatic, you don't even test them. In fact, the, <laughs> CDC, the CDC just came out finally, reversed itself again, and said asymptomatic people don't have to be tested. <laughs> so there goes, the, there goes the case-demic, poof, and the cloud of smoke, because of the guidance of the health authorities has been like a weather vane. Don't wear a mask, wear a mask. Now the CDC is suggesting you don't have to wear a mask in all situations. So the, the guidance of the health authorities is unreliable and it's been totally politicized at this point.
0: So, turning to New York, I know we reported at Catholic Family News that you won this injunction against right. com, against Kami Cuomo in the state of New York. Right. Um, so, does that mean now New York churches have a little more freedom, or what's what's the status?
1: The way it works is technically what we won in New York was a preliminary injunction. Mm-hmm. The preliminary injunction says because of the George Floyd protests, which destroyed any rationale for an outdoor gathering limit. There is no longer any outdoor gathering limit in the state of New York. As to indoor worship, the 25% indoor limitation was limited to churches. Everyone else is at 50% or even 100% Hmm. indoor capacity for various businesses. So the judge said, that's not reasonable. Why should religion alone be consigned to 25% indoor capacity? So he put them in the same category as so-called phase two industries, which is at least 50% indoor capacity. Uh, that, that the problem within the injunction is we didn't bring a class action that would have been cumbersome So technically you can't say that everyone in the state benefits from it on the other hand The plaintiffs in our case any gatherings that they participate in uh, outdoor or indoor are covered by the injunction and Other litigants confronted with the same problem Our clients in this case were confronted with can just cite this case in the northern district and the southern district And they Mm. should get the same result if they're in the same situation. So uh, the only other alternative would be to seek some form of standing for a statewide injunction. And we're Mm. looking into that. Okay. Right now, it's on appeal to the Second Circuit. Now, interestingly, they appealed the uh, injunction on the very last day, of the Second Circuit, and they don't even want to file their opening brief until November 9th. (laughs) So I'm not sure what's going to be left of the state of emergency on November 9th, although it's a very safe bet that Cuomo will still say New York is in a dire state of emergency because look at all those cases over there in Connecticut. Right. All those cases. over. Wow, look at those cases in Texas, he's even saying. He's saying there'll be a second wave that will come, he says, from the Southwest. (laughs) He's basing this on cases in Texas where the per capita death rate per 100,000 is a tiny fraction of Cuomo's. He's got the second worst per capita death rate for 100000 in the country. Guess who beats him? No. Governor Murphy in New Jersey. <laughs> two of the tightest lockdowns with the ridiculous mask mandates have the two highest per capita death rates for 100000 in the whole country. Georgia and Florida that never had a mask mandate statewide and didn't have the severe lockdowns have tiny per capita death rates compared to New York and New Jersey which destroys the whole argument, the post hoc ergo propter hoc fallacy. Oh, it would have been so much worse if we hadn't imposed the mask mandate. Actually, it probably would have been so much better, Mm. judging by the experience in the other states. Wisconsin's another example. Nobody's wearing any masks in Wisconsin. And there's virtually no lockdown going on there. So this is basically a Democrat operation with a couple of exceptions uh, among Republican governors. But the most severe, the most draconian lockdowns are basically blue state lockdowns.
0: Well, and again, what I thought, in addition to the legal result you got, which, which is great, um, the very fact that you made an open court, these arguments that the judge in New York recognized in his opinion are, are phenomenal that you're pointing out the hypocrisy here, right? That you have the no. mayor of New York and the governor saying, sorry, you can't go to church, the most essential thing we do in our life, right? But, oh, if you want to go have a giant protest uh, you know, hundreds of thousands of people, uh, that's fine, and I'll come join you. I mean, to just point out publicly and make the, the law, the court, recognize this hypocrisy
1: well, is in and of, of like, itself. Yeah, I mean, the rationale is just totally ad hoc, yes. contrived. They turn on a dime depending on the rhetorical yes. de- needs of the moment. So they say X and then they say not X the next day. I'll give you an example. So Cuomo was uh, gassing on about some party in New York City at a bar and he was absolutely certain that's going to cause a coronavirus spike, okay? In the same press conference, when talking about thousands and thousands of people marching shoulder to shoulder, screaming and yelling and chanting and singing uh, over the death of George Floyd, there he said, well, we just have to wait to see whether there's a spike. <laughs> <laughs> me, wow. Give me a break. Uh, wow. So it, it's, it's totally politicized. It's totally politically expedient. The whole outdoor gathering regime, as Judge Sharp correctly saw was abandoned in an instant when the demands of political correctness required these demonstrations now They argue today or more recently last in the last week or so that well We need that we need to allow these demonstrations because if we don't there'll be civil unrest and chaos in the streets So the argument is if if you want to protect public safety What you need to do is allow massive gatherings by people who threaten public safety (laughs) Exactly. Just that
0: ridiculous well, really just want to wrap up with one question that I think, you know, it's really important for some of our, our regular viewers, our traditional Catholic viewers. Um, and that, that, that's this. So you're, you're doing, you know, the, this, this work, but you're using the the first amendment of the constitution. And as you know, you wrote a, an incredibly uh, phenomenal book on the subject, the uh, Liberty, the God that failed, right. That our, our constitution, a lot of the principles that our country started on are, are, uh, contrary to Catholic teaching or sort of rooted in liberalism. So, you know, again, we've had some viewers say, well, how, how is it you can use the First Amendment or some of these principles that uh, have these liberal flaws in them uh, in, in doing this kind of work? So how do you, how do you kind of answer that, that maybe, so that, that question?
1: A very legitimate, however, obvious question. So <laughs> my answer to that is the answer of Cardinal Taviani. It should not surprise anyone that we appeal to the rights of man when the rights of God are not recognized. And Leo XIII the, Leo the said the same thing in his encyclical on libertas, liberty, modern notion of liberty. He said, look, these cankered liberties are something we have to make use of without violating our conscience until we can restore to society the form and pattern of Christian civilization. So you make use of the rights that are available to you. Now, I wouldn't advocate the First Amendment liberty of Satanists, but I'm certainly going to advocate the First Amendment liberty of Catholics and uh, so that's what we're doing. In, in every one of these cases, in New York, New Jersey, and depending on in California, we have priests of the Society of Saint Pius the Tenth. And I have to say, I have to acknowledge the courage of the Orthodox Jews involved in these cases of mine. Yes. It's absolutely amazing the uh, parallel between the Society of Saint Pius the Tenth and the Orthodox Jews. Both constituencies are considered Taliban by the mainstream in their respective religious. Uh, faiths, and they're both denounced and backstabbed by their own people. So, we traditionalists are marginalized just for being Catholics who didn't change, and these Orthodox Jews who keep to their old ways and traditions are likewise marginalized. They have the guts to stand up for what's right, and so do these priests of the, of the Society of St. Pius X. It's a natural alliance. And the Orthodox Jews and the traditional Catholics on moral issues are a total agreement. They're pro life all the way. Uh, they vote a certain way. I shall not say which way they vote, <laughs> but they vote the same way that traditional Catholics vote. So I have a lot of affection and regard for these people, in spite of in spite of the, the problem yeah. for them of the presence of our Lord and Savior in the world. That aside, though, they're natural allies in this struggle, and I and I applaud them for their courage, along with the priests of the Society of Saint Pius X.
0: Well, and that, you mentioning the priests there that are your your clients in these cases, Uh, I assume that means you haven't had any diocesan bishops reaching out to you saying, hey, we want to join this too and get our churches open.
1: What makes you think that, Brian?
0: (laughs) Well, as you know, we've said multiple times in our weekly news program when we've talked about the pandemic in the spring, uh, and said in most states, aside from the ones you're talking about, but in most states, if your church is closed, don't call your governor. Call your Bishop, because, like in the state where I spent the summer in Florida, right. uh, Governor DeSantis, the outstanding governor uh, who who actually uh, put religious services as the number one essential service and exempted them from all the the state restrictions that, you know the reasonable ones that he imposed, but he even said this doesn 't even apply to them uh, every every diocesan church outside of the site of St. Pius X every church was shut down for, oh, for months on, end. and
1: the motto of the mainstream Catholic hierarchy is. Let us give to God what is God, and let us give to Caesar what is God's. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you have
0: to laugh or you'd cry.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's very sad. And, you know, the, the tragedy is that the Catholic hierarchy, always a sleeping giant, it's like Gulliver, and Gulliver's travel, travels, pinned down by a thousand little Leputians, little tiny cords. Wow. If they just lifted up one hand and they broke free <laughs> one hand from the cords, they could change yeah. the face of this country in six months. If they had resisted these lockdowns as bishops, as a hierarchy, and had led protests against them and filed litigation, it would have been over long ago. I'm well, or archbishop- someday, maybe a
0: bishop, Archbishop Vigano will become an American bishop, and that'll happen.
1: <laughs> well, I'm thinking of one archbishop in particular, I won't name him, who was in a position to basically shut down an entire lockdown if wow. he had just made himself a plaintiff in a lawsuit. Wow. So, but it's not going to happen. So they're just, yes. the church has rendered itself non-essential. Wow.
0: Well, thank you, Chris, from all of us for for what you're doing, standing up even when the bishops don't to defend the rights of God. And as you said, I think really well, quoting Leo Thirteenth, using the rights of man when necessary to defend the rights of God. And so we appreciate you taking out the time to talk to us, how busy you are with these three high profile cases now, you know, on two different coasts. So we know you must be busy. Uh, and to you, if everyone enjoyed this video, please uh, like it, share it uh, with, with people you know to get this message out, to get this known, uh, and uh, continue to support Catholic Family News. And uh, as, as Chris mentioned, the Thomas More Society is a nonprofit uh, organization. They don't charge the, the clients for the work they do. Uh, yes, so, please
1: contribute. Please yes. Contribute to them.
0: So do please consider there's certainly a worthy group that, that's out there on the front lines uh, defending the rights of God in this case.
1: I, I, would, uh, I would say yeah, leave a bequest because the work that they're doing, I mean, I'm just one small cog in a big legal machine, and they are cranking out top quality legal product in all of these COVID-19 litigations and other litigations all over the country. It, they are a warhorse. Far surpasses anything I was able to do on my own. And I'm really happy to be proud of that, that, uh, that team.
0: So definitely. So after you subscribe to Catholic Family News, your next chat <laughs> can go to Thomas, St. Thomas War Society. Oh, great. Well, thank you, Chris. And uh, we uh, look forward to reading more from the paper and the, the issue that's just being published now. There's a great story Chris wrote on this whole case-demic uh, phenomenon that he was just talking about. So you can read more about that uh, in, the, uh, in the current issue of Catholic Family News and look forward to speaking to you again soon, Chris.
1: Yes, let's do it again soon.